Diane, 11.30 a.m., February 24th. Entering the town of Twin Peaks. It's five miles south of the Canadian border, 12 miles west of the state line. Welcome to Cooper Duper, a Never Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. I'm Jess. I'm Mikey. Uh, so welcome to our first official episode. Um, Mikey, why don't we kick it off by telling the listeners a little bit about you and why you wanted to do this podcast. Um... That's, I, I don't know. Um, I have grown up a Twin Peaks fan uh, most of my, I almost said adult life, but really and truly I started watching the show when I was 11, uh-huh. um, mostly because I looked up to my older sister. My older sister liked it, and she was a big fan of it in high school, um, and so I wanted to be cool, so I was like, oh, I can like that show too. Um, so I started watching it. I was... Much, much too young mm-hmm. to be watching this show. Um, but it was cool. It was it was trendy when it first came out. It, I mean, it exploded in into the mainstream. It was everywhere, um, especially in this first season. Just, it was the thing. Yeah. It was so new, so groundbreaking. Um, and I caught up in that. My sister got caught up in that, I should say. And I... Who, she would have been, what, 14, 15? Um, five years older than me, so yeah, so yeah. sixteen, so a more appropriate age. Yeah, she was she was in high school. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but I I think and as the show went on and all the the more creepy elements really really start coming into play, mm-hmm. all the supernatural elements and things like that. Like, I think it really became a. Like, I want to know everything about this in order to like subdue the fear. Oh, yeah. I mean, this has really been kind of a lifelong, low-key obsession of yours. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, with the news of it coming back a few years ago, like... Mm -hmm. That really reignited. It really reignited. But, like, it's always just been something I've just been really, like... I am a huge movie fan. I don't think I could ever lay down a, oh, what's my favorite movie? It's too hard. There's too many things involved. But... And I'm not even a huge TV fan mm-hmm. overall, but like without question, this is my absolute favorite television show. I mm-hmm. think it's just incredible. Would you say it's your favorite like media thing? Maybe like book, TV, movie. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, there's just something about it that like I'm just fascinated by it, mm-hmm. and I don't know why. I mean, it's layered and it's weird for its own sake. And there, and there's, when I say layers, like there's, there's a lot to learn about it. I feel like David Lynch does very few things, um, not accidentally, but without, without thinking it through, or he's just like a straight up psychopath and we connect the dots later. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it's, but it's realistically, you're, you're never going to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. And like, cause there's nothing more disappointing than like, like I remember watching Westworld. We watched that first season, mm-hmm. and then you start putting all the pieces together. And four episodes before it's over, you're like, "Oh, I get uh, yeah, it." Yeah, yeah. And then everything for four more episodes or whatever plays out exactly like you anticipated, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Oh, yeah." I have no interest in watching this second season anymore because <laughs> you didn't you didn't do it. Like I I I didn't. Like, the fact that I know I'm never, and no one will ever figure it out, uh-huh. all out entirely, is well, part of arg- what's so fascinating. And arguably, it. it's impossible to figure it out because David Lynch didn't really know 
where it was going to end when he started it, right? I mean... Like, didn't he not want to reveal who killed he, Laura Palmer? Yeah. And then he, the network they, kind of forced they his wanted, hand? Like, it was playing on that soap opera idea of... Mm-hmm. I mean, this really and truly is a soap opera. Um, yeah. But go, like, of just this ongoing story. Yeah. And it, and it meant to... Ideally, it wasn't so much that, like, I don't want to solve it. It was more like... That's yeah, not the point. That was the catalyst, but it's going to just kind of fall into the background. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's something... Like, that, but it, weird it became... A, yeah, it's supposed to be about the town and all the people and all their interactions and stuff. And the murder mystery was supposed to kind of fizzle out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, because CBS at the time didn't know... ABC, ABC didn't know what they had at mm-hmm. the time... Um, you know, they didn't know what to do with it. Yeah. So they, and, oh, you have to solve it. And people, like, they were giving into the demands of fans and things. Sure. And it just, you know, ended up kind of, you know, trailing off like it did. But, mm-hmm. yeah, but this All is, right. this is, yeah, the pilot episode. It was, this was made as a feature length mm-hmm. movie. Um, it was, it was created as a pilot written. Uh, written by Mark Frost and David Lynch, directed by David Lynch. And th- in order to get this all funded, the they had to... They made a pilot episode, and they were also required to film an ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so that if the pilot doesn't get picked up with as much money that went into this, because it was a f- feature film, essentially. Right. They had something... They could they could release it in international markets as a, as a feature film. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the footage that is used in the... In- so if, if anyone watched the extended international edition, yeah, you that's saw a different- an ending that has nothing to do with the series and kind of fucks everything up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, a lot of that footage gets repurposed into the third or the... That's always a point of confusion with everyone when they talk about episodes. Is oh yeah, because this because I was actually doing that too because I'm yeah. I'm gonna be reading out because the way it's made it's the pilot then episode one yeah. episode two episode three bananas and then when it started coming into streaming media forms they all got pushed back because the pilot became episode, episode one. one yeah um so the third episode or the second episode two which is the third episode if you count the pilot. <laughs> Ended up incorpor- incorporating a lot of that extended footage. Yeah. Uh, so I am going, I'm on the twinpeaks.fandom.com, the Twin Peaks wiki. Um, and so I'm just going to read through uh, a summary of the uh, of the episode, and we're just going to talk about it. So this, this podcast that we're doing, it's intended for people who have maybe never seen it before and, and, and want to watch it through and... and kind of have a companion piece along with that it's also for people who've seen it a ton and really like it and just want to kind of like enjoy it along with us in a different yeah, format like is i i've got some you know film school experience and things like that just as a writer mm-hmm. by trade but we're not really like yeah those we're things, not industry those things ins- are gonna insiders. play to some extent but for the most part like i'm just a fan of this mm-hmm. um, oh this is far and away fan fan yeah yes. so um, yeah, and I'll regurgitate, I'm sure, some of the things that I've learned in listening to other great Twin Peaks podcasts. Be- better better there, podcasts. Yeah, there's, there's some great, I mean, <laughs> Twin Peaks Unwrapped is great. The Twin, Twin Peaks the EW, podcast and podcast about Twin, Twin Peaks. Yeah, the EW one's pretty good. Um, Bickering Peaks is pretty good. There was another one I liked. Um, 
but that I've you know I've read books, some of the magazines. I've mm-hmm. I've read a lot because I just find it interesting. I'm not trying to answer anything. I'm just it's fun hearing conflicting theories sure. and things like that. I like watching those or mm-hmm. hearing about those and yeah. Um, and yeah, so two, 2018 is when we went to Twin Peaks Fest. Right. So we've been to some of these locations. We met a few of the actors. Um, but that's really as far as it goes in terms of us, like, you know, having any sort of, yeah. like, quote-unquote, uh, like, insider information. Yeah. I didn't watch this movie till Mikey and I started dating about mm-hmm. 10... Er, movie, this show, until Mikey and I started dating about 10 years ago. So I've probably seen it through... through Two or three. I think you only watched it twice. Yeah, two times. I mean, the first season I've seen probably more, and I you know Maybe. drop in um, now and then. But I am not anywhere near the fan Mikey is. There's the thing I do, and rewatching the pilot, some of my some of the, these characters are so 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 incredible. Yeah, it, they're so fun incredible. and so weird and interesting, mm-hmm. and that's what I really like about this show. Sometimes I get a little bit lost in the weeds, which mm-hmm. you'll. You'll hear. So, um, you ready to kick it off? Yeah. (laughs) On the morning of February 24th, uh, 1989, in the Washington town of Twin Peaks, Pete Martell leaves his home, the Blue Pine Lodge, where he lives with his wife, Catherine Martell, and her sister-in-law, Josie Packard, to go fishing. That's the thing I always thought was funny, is that everyone knows it's called the Blue Pine Lodge. And it may have happened in when passing you, somewhere. When you say well, everyone. Oh, sorry, anyone in the, the Twin Peaks fandom, the community, they refer to it as Blue Pine Lodge. I don't recall that ever being said at mm-hmm. any point in the entire series. Yeah. And I just think it's funny that, like, wh- why, wh- how do you know that? You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's the fandom. It's, yeah, it's yes. just funny. It's, I, I don't know. It's institutional knowledge. Yeah. Um, however, Star Wars like that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, however, he notices an object by the shore, and when he approaches it, he discovered it's a dead body wrapped in plastic. I, men- I mentioned this while we were watching this. Yes. It's the shot is incredible because mm-hmm. he's Pete, Pete's walking along the you know the the edge of like his property that leads onto the beach, and he stops and kind of just gets his you know the, the lonesome foghorn blows or whatever. But he is stops and he's standing there holding his fishing rod. and he's holding his fishing rod and. I don't know if it's entirely intentional or what, because the way, the exact angle that he's holding it, it's pointing directly right. at the body, right. way, way, way in the background. Mm-hmm. And it's just an incredible shot. Yeah. Um, he calls the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department, where he's transferred by receptionist Lucy Mor- uh, Moran or Moran? Mm-hmm. Moran. Moran. Uh, to Sheriff, Her- Sheriff Harry S. Truman. One of the best character introductions of all time is Lucy talking to she's on the phone she's talking to sheriff truman it's pete martell up at the mill um i'm gonna transfer to the phone on the table by the red chair the the red chair against the wall at the little table with the lamp on it the lamp that we moved from the corner the black phone not the brown phone you look over and the there's (laughs) two phones next to him only one of them rings yeah like he could figure it out but like the be- like yeah, it's a great, such a phenomenal introduction. It's a great introduction to Lucy, but also possibly even a better introduction for Harry. The fact that like he knows like just patiently. I'm just gonna. I will. I will wait for you to get out. What you're gonna? I know what you're talking about, but I'm not gonna be like, yeah, I got it, Lucy. Yeah. He just sits back, waits to let her finish. 
waits for the phone to ring and then picks it up to sure, answer it. Truman. And it's so just like they clearly like everybody genuinely cares about each other. And, and he's it's very such sweet. a good straight man for this like mm-hmm. this sort of group of characters that he works with between between and and so many of them teeter on the edge of character and caricature. Yeah. Um, anyway, okay, so, um, he informs Truman of his discovery, saying, She's dead, wrapped in plastic. Which is an iconic line, but also not especially helpful for the sheriff. And it's, exactly, (laughs) and, but, like, yeah, it's, um, Pete's a great, great, great Yeah, you love Pete. Um, the sheriff makes his way to the Martell's to Martell's home, telling Lucy to have Dr. Will Hayward and Deputy Andy Brennan, Lucy's on and off boyfriend, meet him there. Um, after, and so they cut to the beach scene. Around, they're around the body, like very iconically wrapped in plastic. <laughs> and oh, Andy Brennan is <laughs> sobbing. Like it's so kind of wholesome, and but like <laughs> it's wholesome, but then. But then the reaction to it is every time Doc Hayward and Sheriff Truman be like, "Are you kidding me again? <laughs> like, like, oh, this is he was so affected by this, and then you realize like, no, that's just Andy. Yeah, it doesn't matter what it is. Also, later, one of my favorite moments in the pilot is when he's on the phone with Lucy, and he's like, "They found tell Sheriff Truman I, I didn't, didn't cry." cry. Yeah. Very, very good. That's great. Um, after the deputy breaks down crying whilst taking pictures of the scene, Truman and Hayward turn over the body, discovering that it is Laura Palmer, a high school, a popular high school student. Um, Laura's mother, we cut to uh, the Palmer house. Uh, Laura's mother, Sarah, calls her to come down. After receiving no answer, she searches the house for her daughter but does not find her. Um, she calls the home of Laura's boyfriend, Bobby Briggs. She asks Bobby's mother, Betty, if they're... If their children were together, but she does not know. Betty gives Sarah the phone number to the school's field office to possibly reach Bobby as he's supposed to be at football practice. Sarah re- uh, calls the field office, reaching the football coach, Max Hartman, who tells her that Bobby... I didn't know he had a name. Max Hartman, who tells her that Bobby had not shown up yet for practice and had been late for several weeks straight. Um, next is the introduction to Mikey's childhood crush, Audrey Horn. Yeah. Childhood... And adult crush. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, Audrey Horn leaves for school. I, I did. I'll tell that story real quick. I used to work um, doing audiovisual for a hotel nearby that was connected to a convention center. And so, what, six, maybe seven years ago? Mm, yeah, probably um, 20, there was like 12, a Comic Con esque event at the convention center, and I was working at the hotel. Sherilyn Fenn was one of the people who was going to be who at plays the, Audrey Horn. Yeah, sorry. Who plays Audrey Horn was going to be at the convention center. Um, but I'm wa- I'm just walking through the lobby one day and I got, you know, a couple of things in my arms. And I'm kind of looking down to make sure I'm not dropping cables. And I literally like shoulder to shoulder, like sh- shoulder check somebody <laughs> and like totally clipped a person. I like whip my head. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Are you OK? I'm sorry. And I look up and realize it's fucking <laughs> Sherilyn Fenn. And I just like jaw drop just. She's like, oh, no problem. Have a good one. And I turns around to walk away. And I just was like, <laughs> I don't know what I, there's so much I want to say. Bye. I like you. Yeah. Not, and, and, and so nothing, you ended up saying nothing, right? I said nothing. And, yeah. but that was my first interaction, uh, with Sherilyn Fenn. First and only? 
just recently they did a Q&A thing and she answered one of my questions on the internet. Yeah, so you guys are basically married yeah, We're now. pretty tight. We're pretty tight. <laughs> Audrey Horn leaves her school from her home at the Great Northern Hotel and her father, Benjamin Horn, discusses the Ghostwood Development Project with Leland Palmer, Laura's father. They plan to take over the Packard Sawmill land and have a group of Norwegian businessmen led by Sven Jorgensen and accompanied by a translator to invest in the project. Um, Palmer is then taken aside before that. Like that. My least favorite line in any show of all time is my air sex have oh, never felt I love so it. good. It's, it makes me uncomfortable the way the word mouthfeel makes yeah, me uncomfortable. I love it. I That's a, like, it's just a very lynchy, like, like I found this out recently that apparently Lynchian has like a legitimate definition. Mm. Um, I don't know if it's like in Webster's or whatever, but like yeah. it's that combination of like silly, kooky, absurdist comedy mixed with the macabre of mm-hmm. like terrible underlying horror elements mm-hmm. and just smash those two things together. And that whole scene is just quirky and weird in like, the best way Mm -hmm. and like why do you why put in like the interpreter like why have these norway like the norwegians are leaving yeah all of it is so absurdist and like but so in like purposeful and it drops you into the world yeah it's great i love it um palmer is then taken aside by hotel concierge julie for a phone call from his wife clearly worried about laura he tries to calm her however he sees sheriff truman enter the hotel to see him he makes the connection and realizes his daughter is dead. Uh, Sarah wails as she hears through the phone, and parents both have a breakdown. Heartbreaking, very sad, uh, very amazing. difficult to watch. There's, then the shot of like the phone on the table, and it just slowly yeah. tracks down the, the the phone cord to the receiver. It's and and her like this is a thing. There's a there's a story I'll tell in a couple episodes later about um, Richard Beamer's performance and dealing oh, with it. Oh, yeah. Um, but this is one of the first moments of... When this first... Like, the first screening of this that I had heard about, um, people saying, like, they didn't... People were asking Lynch about what he felt about the reaction because people were laughing at um, Grace Zabriskie, who plays Sarah Palmer, Laura's oh, mom. Because it's very... Because it's over the top. Over the top. Yeah. But, like... But that's how I would react. In such an honest way. Yeah. And it was one of those that, like... It's people laughing because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Like it was so like he loves pushing things so far mm-hmm. over the top in a way that still somehow manages to work. Right. And I think that whole top to bottom that scene is just incredible. Heidi shows up late to work. Like at the way, the way, sorry, just, I love the, um, the way he's grabbing Truman's. Leland when he doesn't say anything, he just grabs on Harry Truman's jacket and he's mm-hmm. like holding himself up with yeah. it. It's just such a, like, I don't know what to do with myself. It's, yeah. Oh, it gets me every time. Heidi shows up late at work to the double R, late to work at the double R diner as Shelly Johnson and Bobby leave together. Their secret relationship being suspected by the diner's owner Norma Jennings. Um, man, I love Norm Norma. Hoof. She's great. She's great. And she was one of the big draws into this show. She had had a prominent career, um, played by Peggy Lipton. Mm-hmm. Um, going into this, doing Mod Squad and things like that. Um, like, there was not a lot of, ca- like, acting draws in this. 
Oh, isn't like um, this wasn't a uh, you know oh uh, like it's a Kyle MacLachlan vehicle, but he hadn't done much before this. You know, like there's not a lot of people in the show that were like, like nowadays you make a show and it's like, well, who do you got? Wasn't Catherine Martell a big name? She, Piper Laurie, yeah, she she had done a lot of work, um, and like. Ben Horn is Richard Beamer was in, you know, West Side Story. Two and famous like that. West Side Story actors. Uh, yeah. Um, Russ Tamblin Russ as well. Hamlin. But. But I also but don't But those know. guys are secondary characters. Right. For the, I mean, Ben Horn, not as much, but Dr. Jacoby a little more so. Yeah. Um, uh, Dr. Jacoby, one of the great weirdos in television history. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, but the, we'll, the way the way this pilot is laid out, the way it goes through piece by piece and introduces you to new characters, but also gives you a chance to sit with them for a minute mm-hmm. before introducing another one mm-hmm. is... Because they're throwing a lot of characters a, at a you. A lot, and it doesn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. It, does it feel never like once feels like I'm being overwhelmed by this yeah. town. It. It actually, it makes my, uh, my brother always describes Game of Thrones that there's a lot of characters and every character is always introduced by like, this is my name and this is what I want. And I feel like they yeah. kind of do that in this of like, this is this person but and here's their, not necessarily what they want, but like, here's your relationship to their, Laura. Yes. And there's yeah. their slot in this town. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and he, he uses a few good devices to sort of recap those people, like episode three or whatever, the rock throne thing. Anyway. But the, but the town hall in this episode yes, is, exactly. is a great moment of... <laughs> Who's the lady with the log? Call her the log lady. It's perfect. just, it's perfect. And like, that's all you need to know right now. Yeah. Well, you'll, Don't get, worry to, about you'll it. get to know her. It's fine. But that's all you need to know right now. Yeah. Bobby plays music on the jukebox before leaving. Bobby takes Shelly home, but decides her drop her off at a distance as he no- notices that her husband, Leo's truck, is parked in the driveway, despite Shelly telling him that Leo was out of town. Bobby frantically leaves after letting Shelly out. The one thing about this show is that, I don't know if it suffers from it, but the fact that these kids are supposed to be high schoolers is uh, weird. Because Shelly is dating Bobby, who's like a high school senior, presumably. Mm -hmm. She's mar- married, but they she, might be the same age. Like, she might have dropped out of high school. She, she dropped out and married Leo Young. Like, that's a thing. But it's just... I don't know. It, they're drinking a flask, like, on his way to school. Yeah. Which is- <laughs> but also, I think it's it's also very small-towny. Mm-hmm. People, like, you go into a lot of small yeah. towns in America, and people marry young, and they get out of the house earlier, and they... Yeah. They do. I mean, we live in, you know, uh, Chicago and the Chicago suburbs. Like, it's a different world here than it is in yeah. small towns. Yeah. Um, Bobby play... Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Truman takes Leland to Calhoun Memorial Hospital to identify... Th- uh, t- to confirm the identity of the body, which he does and breaks down to tears. At school, uh, Laura's best friend, Donna Hayward, goes to her locker and looking at the nearby Audrey... I'm, and looks at the nearby Audrey, amused by her smoking. James Hurley uh, then approaches... <laughs> oh, James Hurley. Bless his heart. Oh, that's something to take note of, because a lot... He's he's pretty commonly, you know, bashed or whatever for being a not-great actor and a kind of a weak character among the rest of the cast and whatnot. Um, but if you look at his Lynch-directed episodes, he's great. 
Mm. Like, I think he's great in the pilot. There's, yeah. there's a, in, some incredible nuanced work from like this tough guy exterior, but mm-hmm. he's really, really sweet and soft on the mm-hmm. inside. Like all of that comes out in the Lynch directed episodes in other people's directed episodes. He just comes off flat and it's, it's night and day. And if yeah. you, if you know enough to pay attention to it, mm-hmm. you'll see it. Yeah. Um, James Hurley then approaches Donna asking if she's uh, seen Laura yet and commenting that it was a nice day for a picnic. Wink. Um, Bobby then arrives and is informed that he's wanted in the office and his best friend Mike Nelson confirms that something had happened. And that's a, that picnic thing is like a great little throwaway line Mm -hmm. that you don't realize plays even later in this episode. Right. Laura's homeroom teacher, Margaret Honeycutt, takes role and state trooper G. McMickle that's never mentioned, so it doesn't really matter. I just, I was reading it, and I was like, it can't be McMickle, so I must be reading it McMichael? wrong. McMichael? McMichael's a pretty common. Mick, M-I-C-K-L-E. McMickle. <laughs> uh, briefly speak- No wonder they never mentioned it. <laughs> um, briefly speaks to her and tell her that the announcement of Laura's death would be made. Donna and James then realize what's happened, and the former begins to cry. Oof. Incredible okay. scene. With nothing needing to be said. Mm -hmm. But also they don't do that thing that movies or TV or whatever like to do where they show two people talking, but they shoot it really, really wide. And then you just see the person break down so you know what's going to happen. Like it's, you see a woman like run across the courtyard screaming, screaming, which also may or may not be related. Yeah. We don't even know because that's kind of early. But like... So that's a weird thing. And then Donna looks at James and they kind of are puzzled together. And mm-hmm. then Donna kind of realizes it. Yeah. And they they just keep like there's a rhythm in the scene that like the way it's cut. Um, Dwayne Dunham is the editor. Um, <laughs> but the way it's cut is just there's this pacing of like, boom, Donna, James, the window, Audrey, Donna. And they... Just no, mm-hmm. and then and then it, it all culminates with the the shot of an empty desk. Yeah, sitting in the middle Oof. of the classroom, yeah. and you're like, oh shit. Yeah, like it's it's really really well done. I think. Um, Bobby tells deputies Andy and Hawk of his activities the previous night and earlier that morning, uh, and Truman sits down with them, informing Bobby of Laura's death, which is. One of Mikey's favorite moments when he does he does a pound on the pound snap like I, I, to, to like cap his statement like I, I don't remember what he says but he which finishes his statement like, and just goes which is such like a 1950s beatnik move to oh, do it's, <laughs> it's so weird David Lynch is obsessed with like 1950s Americana so oh, well, all of these characters like Bobby Briggs is such an embodiment very, of that yeah. like. All of it. He he loves that like very like cool small towny cap cap. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, uh, Bobby is stunned by the news, insisting that he loved her and is taken in for questioning. Principal George, uh, oh, this, yeah, I was gonna say it's a Polish name. You need to help me. Um, announces then announces Laura's death to the school and cancels classes for the day. Another great performance. There's there's a great thing that I love. First of all, you ne- you. The immediate circle around Laura now knows Mm -hmm. that she is dead. Nobody finds out directly by being told. Oh, interesting. Everybody either just knows, a la Donna, 
or they heard it through some electronic device, the telephone, the loudspeaker, whatever it is. Nobody finds out directly. What does that mean? It's just a, it's an interesting approach. I, there's David Lynch's a fascination with electricity. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. That's where like, I think the electronic devices come in, but the, but there's also, it's like the very early hints that there's going to be supernatural elements that come into play later. The fact that people just know things. Sure. But I just have always thought that, I don't know, that's a really fun or interesting, mm-hmm. I don't know, connection. The sheriff department asks Mrs. Palmer um, about Laura's acti- activities the previous night. Uh, Sarah confirming that she last saw her daughter around nine o'clock and that later she had a phone that later had that she later had a phone call. Excuse me. Hawk searches Laura's room, finding a diary and a camcorder. Andy then informs Sheriff Truman of a call that comes from mill worker Janik Pulaski. Rep- Janik? Yannick. Yannick. Yannick Pulaski uh, reporting his daughter Ronette missing. At the mill, Josie and Catherine fight. As Josie wishes to shut down the mill for the day uh, due to the murder and disappearance, Pete takes Josie's side and they shut down the mill. A dazed, Ronette is then, a dazed Ronette is then discovered on a bridge, dirty and bruised, with tattered clothes and rope around her wrist. Such a great... So good. So eerie and, and scary. And, and tells you everything Yeah. without... Just in one shot, you know exactly where she's been. You know she's going to be a piece of information. Mm-hmm. Like, everything with just a woman walking across a bridge. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, James goes to his uncle Ed Hurley's gas station, gives him a note, gives him a note to give to Donna, requesting her to meet him at the roadhouse later in the evening. Oh, I thought you were chuckling. Ed's wife, Nadine, then tells him to pick up the set of drapes she ordered. (laughs) Nadine's great. Big Ed is... Big Ed uh, is... Yes. One of the best characters that's ever existed. He's just amazing. And then we are introduced to Federal Bureau of Investigation Special Agent Dale Cooper. And at this point, we're like 45 minutes into the episode. Yeah, it, it takes a minute for him to get, yeah, uh, it, get brought in. And, and Cooper's your, he's Cooper Duper. He's, you know, he's your main, like he's your, like, the show is about Laura. He's our protagonist. But, but Cooper is... I because I, I he's not in the audience surrogate. I really, thought, I thought about it like if you, if you're, if Twin Peaks is a body, Laura is the heart and soul, Cooper is the body. Like it's he's pulling all the strings. You're watching it. Like it's not audience surrogate, but it's 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 a Cooper story. Sure, this he's is all Cooper's story, but. But deep down in the heart of it is all about Laura. Yeah. And what did she go through and what did she overcome and who is she and why is she so important to this town? Like, it's, I don't know, it's, it's a, an interesting connection I, mm-hmm. I've always felt. Uh, Cooper arrives in the town at 11.30 a.m. and makes his way to the hospital to meet Sheriff Truman, informing him that the FBI would be taking over Ronette's case and requests his cooperation. In, in a in a great 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 delivery. another great scene of bouncing back like it's one shot it's it starts wide and it slowly starts to dolly with them and then they st- like they're walking okay we I came in there was this great I stopped at the lamplighter in and got a mm-hmm. great slice of cherry pie you got to try it it was wonderful 
I'm going to stop you right here. <laughs> and then boom, turns on business. You, you know. Small town brass don't like when we all come in. Yeah, yeah. We, we come in and, and a lot of people have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. Are we going to have a problem? Let's get it out right now. And he's like, again, we're, we're happy, happy to, to have, have you here. here. And then immediately like just like, okay, now, now I'm going to need to see an autopsy. On, 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 like, But the trees part. But yeah, I'm going to need to see an autopsy on that girl. And you got to tell me what kind of trees is or was that autopsy is after. Is it? Because okay. he says, you got to tell me what kind of great trees you have. And yeah. he's Douglas first. And that smile now, on you, his face. Now yes, can you that, have that? That's yeah. right. That's I inverted him. There's a few things that we got to get straight right off the bat. I learned about this the hard way. It's best to talk about it up front. When the bureau gets called in, the bureau's in charge. And you're going to be working for me. Sometimes local law enforcement has a problem with that. I hope you understand. But like I said, we're glad to have you here. Sheriff, what kind of fantastic trees have you got growing around here? Big, majestic. Douglas firs. Douglas firs. Can someone get me a copy of the coroner's report on the dead girl? But there's also like uh, he does these things with his hands, like that uh, that are legit. Yeah, yeah, hands? it's yeah, Mr. Fing- fingertip to fingertip, um, which apparently McLaughlin has said he stole directly from David Lynch. It's just <laughs> a very David Lynch. If you ever watched David Lynch in an interview or anything, he's always playing with his hands mm-hmm. and like just wiggling his fingers in the air, trying to like, because he. He's he's said, and I've read this in like Lynch on Lynch, which is a great um, book about him. It's a bit long, big long interview book. Um, he's not good with words. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like words. He which, doesn't like the written words. He thinks they they're limiting. They're limiting. Yeah, and he so like he's always struggling to find the best words to mm-hmm. use and. They don't exist for what he thinks. Well, and, and which makes sense because we've already seen several scenes thus far where ideas and plot points are trans are you know shown to the audience without words. Yeah, Ron Nat's appearance yeah, because realizing because that I Laura's can do dead so much more visually by Donna. Yeah, yeah, and he trusts that his audiences will figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to see Renette, who is attended by Doctor Louise Shelvey. Shelvey, Shelvey. And is unresponsive, but utter, utters the words, don't go there. The special agent and sheriff enter an elevator with a one-armed man and then, then encounter eccentric psychiatrist Dr. Lawrence Jacoby. Um, as Mikey loves to point out, Jacoby is wearing this really weird tie with a, like a hula dancer on it, and she's got like a real, a real grass skirt. Yeah, it looks like tassels yeah. or whatever, yeah. And who boy is he a massive creeper with that fucking tie? He's yeah, he's just got his like finger underneath the tassels and he's just like playing around in there. Oh, it's, it's super creepy and weird. So creepy. Uh, Jacoby tells them that Laura was his patient and wished to assist them in examining the body, but was denied. In addition, he said that Laura's parents did not know that he, that she was his patient. In the morgue, after the attendant Jim left, which I think is one of your favorite. There, well, there's two. The. There's two things in that sequence that are both... They're great because they're honest. Mm-hmm. One, the flickering fluorescent lights. The, Which just happened. The lights were just broken and stroke of luck. This yeah. is amazing. Let's use this. This is awesome. And then the 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 guy who played the morgue clerk or whatever, like, straight up just botched his line. Uh-huh. 
he's like, like he didn't hear what was said or something and kind of just had one of those like brain fart moments. And so Cooper says, can you give us a moment, please? And Jim says, oh, it's Jim. <laughs> and it, and it, just a short, brief beat. And then Cooper just repeats himself. Can you give us a moment, Jim? Or whatever. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, right, right. And then like steps out. And, and it was just such a great moment to like leave it in. This yep. is great. Mm-hmm. This is just great, kooky, weird stuff. Yeah. But like, it's just, ah, I love it. It shows how like used to this, like, like the smile on Cooper's face when he's, when he finds the letter mm-hmm. and like, he so loves this yeah. shit. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating. Uh, in the morgue after the attendant Jim left, Agent Cooper examines Laura's body, finding a small piece of paper with the letter R under her left ring fingernail. Which she had previously just looked for in Ronette and didn't find it. Right. And then he, I guess we haven't talked about Diane yet. He's got this record audio, uh, little cassette recorder mm-hmm. that he takes audio notes on to Diane, who is ostensibly his secretary, but... That's how, that's been a was an ongoing thing. Um, you get clarification on that in season three right. when that com- which is the one that came out in twenty seventeen. Which is the one, yeah, that came out you know twenty six years later. Um, but it's been it's an it was an ongoing debate through the series of is there a Diane mm-hmm. or is did he just name his notepad like oh you yeah. know what I mean? because there are moments later where he says can you send me this thing. Mm-hmm. And then he gets that thing. Yeah. But maybe it was just a reminder to order that thing mm-hmm. or whatever it is. But like, you never, you never meet Diane. And it's very conversational the way yeah. he, he talks to quote unquote Diane. And it's clearly just an exposition vehicle. Oh, totally. But, but it's done in a way that's Very effectively fun. done. Yeah. Um, Donna goes to the gas station where Ed gives her the note left by James. However, Mike, her boyfriend, arrives and angrily tells her to go to the sheriff's station to support Bobby. Nadine then commands Ed to hang up their drapes. <laughs> so we're looking at, we see a few pretty fraught relationships in this yeah. pilot. Uh, back at the station, Cooper examines what was found in Laura's room. Inside the diary, he finds a safety deposit key and a small plastic envelope also containing a white powder, which he suspects to be cocaine. However, Sheriff Truman has his doubts due to Laura's character. Also in the diary was... Diane, I'm holding in my hands a small (laughs) box of chocolate bunnies. Also in the diary was a statement statement that said she was nervous about meeting Jay. Diane, that's the letter J. See, I've seen this too before. Yeah. Well, it's a a great clarification because... You're not reading it, and you would think, okay, who's who's Jay? We're Mm going to meet somebody named Jay, and then you realize, oh, that's the letter. Clarify. Like, it's... It's a great bit. Uh, Andy and a group of other lawmen discover the murder scene in an old train car. Andy requests that Lucy not tell Harry that he cried. So good. Great, great, great. Uh, Cooper then questions Bobby, asking of his activities with her the previous night and a fight they had the previous week. They then watch a tape found in Laura's camcorder of Laura and Donna, Donna at a picnic. The That whole exchange is between Cooper and Bobby mm-hmm. is just masterful. Mm-hmm. And watching Harry just like, like eyes wide, like <laughs> uh-huh. you are good at this. 
<laughs> like, how do you know how, like, he's, like, the way he's playing, and then, and then halfway through the conversation sends him on his little, like, PDA thing, like, he didn't do it. I think it was, a, uh, like, a graphing calculator. It's, it's like a, uh, an in-between yeah. thing, I think. It's but... a bullshit thing that Lynch made up, probably. <laughs> good, right. <laughs> I need a thing with a screen <laughs> and a keyboard. I don't do a good Lynch. It was, it was good enough. Thank you. Um, but yeah, so, like, that whole scene, and, like. He's just toying with him to see what information he might get. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I know he didn't do it. He has already dismissed him, but like the way he's playing with him is just great. And he's got this smile on his face. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Very condescending to him. Yeah, it's so good. Because Bobby thinks he's such a hot shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they then watch a Tate found in Laura's camcorder of Laura and Donna at a picnic. Cooper states that Laura had been seeing someone else, though Bobby insists that he does not know the identity of Jay. And then we go to um, we go back to the lodge, and um, Audrey is sitting at the desk with I think the secretary, and there's a styrofoam cup, and she's just like sticking a pencil in it slowly, slowly, slowly. Yeah, it's the concierge or whatever. Oh, concierge. Yeah. Um, and then just pulls it well, out. Audrey, I kept thinking, like, just everything she does, she is, like, true chaotic neutral. Absolutely. She... Absolutely. She has no goal besides just, like, stir the pot... Yeah. ...and then walk away. Yeah. That's exactly who she is, and she's fascinating. Like, and, like, you look at her family life, and she's got a father who's just a capitalist pig. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care about anything. I gotta get money, 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 money. Yeah. His... Mother isn't her mother is insane. Mm-hmm. Like she's like she has like, a special needs brother who it's is, yeah. Like she's got like she just anything to get attention. Right, right. Um, jupe, jupe, Obviously, oh Audrey mischievously goes to the Norwegian businessman and tells him of the murder. What's the line you like? <laughs> is something wrong, young pretty girl? <laughs> Bobby's let go and he goes to Mike as Donna is being questioned. They plan to find the biker whose name starts with the letter J. Donna is questioned by Cooper, but she insists that the that a female hiker took the video found on the camcorder. Which, th- th- this is a, an example of like the way Cooper reacts to Bobby in that interview and mm-hmm. then the way he reacts to Donna. Mm-hmm. Totally different. He's just a very skilled interviewer. Yeah, and it's like he's listening, like she's clearly just fumbling over herself. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, you no one else was there with you. Then who, then who took, then who took this? Oh, 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 yeah, that's easy. Um, this hiker, and we said, lady hiker, you should take, you should take pictures for us. Like so, like, and it's. Meanwhile, he already knows, right? Like he knows all of this already, Mm -hmm. and he's just trying to put a few more pieces together. See where people line up. Yeah, exactly. Like. Can I count on you later if I need your help in something? He's just learning people. The agents let her go, and Lucy comes with Harry to tell Cooper that she overheard Bobby and Mike discuss (laughs) the biker. However, Dale shows them that he already figured this out, having found a bike reflected in Laura's eye in the video. Wowza. Yeah. Um, James sits next to his bike at the picnic spot. The Norwegians then leave the Twin Peaks after being told of Laura's murder. Uh, Cooper and Truman get get to the train car where they find a bloodied hammer, rag, half of a heart-shaped necklace, and a note written in blood that reads, Fire, walk with me. Uh, Yeah. James continues to sit as he observes the other half of the necklace. What? Um, Audrey's... And they do... What they do 
that I like, and it's simple, but like one of them is on a gold chain and one of them is on like a little leather, leather rope. Yeah. Like make them different. Mm-hmm. I got to know whose is whose. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? If, if this comes into play later, okay, was this the one they found or right. was yeah, this the person right. like make them different, but you know, they're connected. Uh, Audrey sits with her mother as her older brother, Johnny, um, hits his head against a dollhouse, wanting Laura to be there as she was his tutor. Um, Audrey's mother is a nightmare person. Uh, Cooper and Truman go to the bank with Laura's safety deposit box, uh, following the employee, Alice Brady. Uh, this is when they, the, there's just a deer head laying yeah. on the table. Which I might be m- m- conflating that with the other accidental things, but I think that was a scenario where like they couldn't get it mounted Oh. Or something, and he was like, just put it on the table. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just had a... But, like, also that whole interaction, like, not, not only, like, the deer head, but, like, when she's in there and she's like... Oh, that oh, fell. fell. But then, like, oh, so how long has she had this? Oh, I'd say about maybe six months. Well, do you have records? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, can you get them? <laughs> like, it's just, like... It shows you this town has never had to deal with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. There just aren't problems like this. Mm-hmm. None of this has happened before. Oh, yeah, I guess you might need that. Like, right. it's it's great. Cooper and Truman go, oh, um, blah, 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 blah. Inside the box, they find a copy of Flesh World and over $10,000. In the magazine, they find a photo of Ronette Pulaski confirming a connection with Laura. Also, it, also inside is a photo of Leo Johnson's truck. What what I never got when I was younger is what Flesh World is. Oh, that it's like a call girl magazine? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. oh that makes sense. I, Why would 11-year-old Mikey... Well, I just Mikey... thought it was a porno map. Oh. I never... And it wasn't until I got older that I realized that like, oh, this is like a solicitation thing. Yeah. This isn't just like... Porn. Oh, she, she posed for this magazine. Right. Like, oh, this is... Got, like that... I never got that until I was... Older than 11. <laughs> um, so then but we cut. You, you're skipping over your favorite line Let's... reading of all time. So he flips through the, uh, Cooper flips through the money There's and he goes. It's got to be $10,000 here. And then he goes, <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot of Girl Scout cookies, which is the wildest way <laughs> you say Girl Scout cookies. Girl Scout cookies. It, it always reminds me of, I remember, so we're from Chicago and there's a, a, a venue, a, a music venue oh. here called the Double Door. And anyone who's ever been to Chicago, anyone knows the Double Door, is from Chicago, knows that it's called the, the Double, Double Door. Door. And there's a scene in High Fidelity, which takes place in Chicago, where she referenced, she's talking, she's like, oh, she yeah. Is. Uh, the Natasha Gregson Wagner character, yeah. I don't remember. But she's talking to Cusack and she's like, oh yeah, you used to DJ. I used to see you spin over at the double door. <laughs> and it irks me because John Cusack is from Chicago. Yeah, he knows. You gotta correct that shit. He knows. Man. It's not the double, it's it's the double door, not the double door. <laughs> like, I don't know. Double Either door. way, double door's gone now. All right. Um, so we go to, uh, Leo and Shelly's house. Leo observes the ashtray at his home and questions Shelly why there is more than one brand of cigarette inside. He tells her to start smoking only one brand, threatening that he will break her neck if she doesn't apply. So Mikey, I don't think Leo is a good guy. He is. Oh, I thought you were going to say actor. Oh, I have no. Yeah, because both are true. (laughs) I don't think Leo is a good actor. He is the nephew. Ah. There it of is. Somebody. And yep. I 
don't remember who. But he has a... He's there because of nepotism. Um, and he's got the worst hair. Truly Which, the worst hair. Fair enough. They correct it by the, the next episode. Mm-hmm. That was a that was pilot hair. They he's it's all slicked back into a ponytail and then this one like curly Q piece that like it's, looks like it's like straight out of a perm. But yeah, like, but it's not like like a a Batman spit curl. It's like a full on like And it's like off one, to the side. Yeah, it's like one piece of bangs. Yeah, and it's like tuft and like curled. Oh, it's and, awful. Like, it's ridiculous. But um yeah, Leo I mean, they figure out how to. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. Um, yeah, his character he's is not. He is not a great actor, but he's your stereotypical brute, right? Bad guy. This guy's a son of a bitch. I don't think I've ever heard you say the word brute before. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you brute. You brute. Um, Norma calls Ed, wishing to meet him at the roadhouse, while Nadine opens and closes her drapes. Uh, Cooper leads a town meeting to inform them of the FBI investigation of Laura's murder, as it is believed to be the link linked to the murder of Teresa Banks from the previous year, and the killer may be a citizen of town Pe- Twin Peaks. Yikes! Um, a curfew is put into fe- effect for children under the age of eighteen. Uh, Doctor. Dr. Haywood tells his wife, Eileen, about the murder, including unreleased information about the necklace. That's another thing about Twin Peaks that I love. Like, it's a groundbreaking show. This style, this delivery, all of it is is so new and, and wonderful. They also, like, Eileen Hayward is in a wheelchair. Why? Doesn't matter. Yeah. She just is because people in the world just are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, not a plot it, point. It's, it never once is it a plot point. Yeah. Like things like that that make, like, there's there's just honesty behind all of it. Mm-hmm. It's great. Donna overhears this and sneaks out, requesting her sister Harriet cover for her. Bobby and Mike then come looking for Donna. Uh, Dr. Hayward goes up to get her, discovering that she's gone. He requests they help search for her. They head up to the roadhouse. Lucy then patches a call from Hayward to tell Sheriff Truman and Agent Cooper, informing them of Donna's absence while they stake out the roadhouse. Uh, Truman puts puts out an APB for her. Um, or an all points that they keep calling it. All points bulletin? It's what it is, but they... They call it all points? They keep calling it an all points. Oh, I'll funny. put out an all points. And <laughs> I've just... It was one of those that, like, I've never heard... It's either an all points bulletin an or it's an APB. APB. Yeah. Like, I've never heard anyone call it an all points except for in this sequence. At the Roadhouse, a singer sings Falling as Ed and Norma discuss their plans to leave their respective spouses. Cruz. Uh, so they can be together. Bobby and Mike arrive as a singer performs The Nightingale. Uh, Joey Paulson and Scotty observe their arrival as, Don- as Donna shows up as well. Cooper then, tell, uh, Cooper then has Truman call him back up and report that Donna has been found. When Donna goes inside, Mike aggressively goes to her, sparking a bar fight. Bobby knocks out Ed and other patrons, and other patrons get involved as Joey escorts Donna away from the fight. They ride off with Cooper and Tr- they ride off with Tr- Truman and Cooper in pursuit. The lawmen eventually lose the trail until they hear motorcycle engines. Uh, and that whole while they're waiting outside, Cooper and Truman is like the birth of the best bromance in history. Oh goodness, like, yes. The interaction of the two of them, and he's. Cooper's just whittling a whistle mm-hmm. and like, which could you imagine if somebody was sitting in your car whittling with like just wood shavings getting <laughs> everywhere? <laughs> I, I would just be that. like, what That's the great. fuck are you doing, yeah. dude? Um, 
They ride off. The lawmen eventually lose the trail until they hear motorcycle engines. Joey takes Donna to James, and James tells her about Laura the previous night that she was that she was Great. as if she were a different, a completely different person. And this this is this is where I'll geek out a little bit, but like this is the first time I've watched this in. So the new box set, the Twin Peaks Z to A. Hey, Mikey, how many uh, box sets of Twin Peaks do you own? A bunch. Uh, the This newest box set, Twin Peaks Innumerable, Z to A, would you say? comes with a 4K version of the pilot and part eight from season three. Um, oh, that's it? I, I, that's, that's all that's in 4K. The rest gotcha. is all just the uh, standard Blu-ray 2K. Um, but that sequence in particular looks incredible. Like, the blacks are just jet black, mm. and then all you see are just their faces, like, mm-hmm. and then, like, their their breath is it. Yeah. Because it's, it's clearly filmed when it's cold. And it's, I just, that scene is very, very effective. Yeah. Um, as James breaks down crying, Donna tries to calm him, and they end up kissing. They hear sirens and decide to bury James half of the necklace. James starts to take Donna home until they're stopped by Cooper and Truman. James is taken into custody for question while Donna is released to her father. But her presence is requested for more questioning the next morning. Cooper and Truman sit down for donuts and the sheriff... And it's 1230 in the morning and Mm. there's like a table full of donuts stacked two by two. Like 75 donuts. Yeah. Like way too many donuts. Um, And the sheriff recommends that the FBI man stay at the Great Northern Hotel... Uh, Truman goes over to the Blue Pine Lodge to see Josie, his lover. Um, Catherine informs Benjamin Horn of the sheriff's arrival, and they plan to meet. Harry and Josie look out on where Laura's body was found, supposing that the murder must have happened 24 hours prior. As Sarah Palmer rests, she is suddenly frightened by a vision of a gloved hand digging up James' half of, of the necklace. Yeah. That scene ends up becoming really prominent, that mm-hmm. scene of her perking up in the chair. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to keep it a little spoiler-free. I'll explain that why later, but stick a pin in it, I guess. Um, because that'll, that'll come back as being an important scene, mm-hmm. which was an accident, but it becomes relatively important later. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, a great cap to... We didn't watch the, the alternate um, extended movie version. We won't. Um, at least not for this, but I think it ends well. I think that's a, like, they should teach classes and how to make a pilot <laughs> with this episode. I think it's top to bottom, just perfect. You mm-hmm. learn everybody. You Nothing is overwrought. Nothing mm-hmm. is overdone. I don't, like, you, you really get a sense of the town and mm-hmm. everything that's happening, and enough mystery is created to be like, I, I don't know what happens. Yeah, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Um, cool. Well, that uh, wraps up the pilot. What's, what's, I mean, I feel like you kind of just reading, and then I was giving my take on things. But what I mean, from a from you know a Twin, Twin Peaks novice or whatever, like haven't seen it a hundred times, like me, like yeah. What are your thoughts, um, feeling, moods, overall? Is this every time I watch it, I'm reminded that I'm very... a, a woman's perspective, even <laughs> like I there's always been talk about. David Lynch, his women characters and that relationship and, and actually like one that. part I, I did flag that I thought was interesting is the scene between Big Ed and Donna when they're talking about their respective partners. I'm glad that it's not two dudes and their nagging wives mm. or their nagging girlfriends being like, 
wow. Like, it's, it's. That's that, where she says, I sure know how to pick them. And then and Nadine he, screams at him and he goes, yeah, I'll pick them too. And Stallone, yeah. I guess, in my head. Well, it was original. <laughs> Stallone was the original cast. Oh, really? Yeah. And that's why he called him Big Ed? Because yeah. Stallone's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. Other, like, original, like. Isabella Rossellini was supposed to be the um, Josie, Josie character. Packard, yeah. Um, Coop, uh, Kyle MacLachlan as Cooper is excellent. I think he's wonderful in the role. Young? Mm, we were talking about that. He's only eight years older than the actor who plays Bobby. Yeah. Which is... And I think it's also a situation where Cooper, you know, MacLachlan's supposed to be playing a couple years older and Bobby's yeah. a couple years younger, yeah. so that... Turns eight into fourteen or right. whatever, you know. But yeah, um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, no, especially I, 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 as you learn Cooper's history a little bit, like he's had a whole yeah a whole ass history, yeah, and he's like twenty seven or whatever. Um, yeah, no, I I think in this moment, I think the women are interesting and three-dimensional. Um, many of them... No, I'm not going to say that. I, I think right now at this point, they are they are all interesting. They all have three-dimensional lives as opposed to like... Like Norma is just the diner owner. She's the diner owner. She's also having an affair with this person. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, everybody has and, more than one facet to And them. I think they're equally weighted... Big Ed and Donna? No, the women versus the oh, men. Oh, 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 in terms show. of just sheer numbers? Numbers and yeah, mm. value, I get like. Yeah, I think that's generous. I still think it's probably two thirds to a third men versus women. You think? I do. Um, that's just me kind of spinning off the dome. Um, but yes, I do think that. Also, there's studies that say. Um, if there's a third versus a third of women in the room, people perceive it as being half and yeah, half. No, so I, I believe check that. your privilege, Michael. I, I know it. I know it. I mean, that's why I'm bringing it up in general is because yeah. I want to be, I want to see clearer yeah. if that's the case. A lot, a lot, a lot of affairs. That's not a feminist issue. That's just that's a, a soap opera. Oh thing. yeah, that's right. You, that's it is the a soap, soap opera, opera deal. connection. Um, like there's a lot of this that's very, but even like. Like, when they go to the hospital to check up on Ronette, the head of surgery is a woman. Yes. All of the that women in the color. hospital. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's things like that that are f- fabulous. Right. Um, I love the, the character. Like, even when I don't love the show or I get a little bored or, like, lost in the weeds in the show, I think the characters are all so weird mm-hmm. and cool and fun and entertaining. Particularly Asian Cooper, I think is one of the best mm. like on-screen characters in any in any form. I think he's just so nuanced and quirky and mm-hmm. silly, and good-hearted but mm-hmm. strong and I I love his character. Yeah. Um but yeah, no, I I I <sighs> I, it's funny because I don't and I don't won't ever love the show the way you do, mm-hmm. but I'm very much like, eh, yeah, it's good. And like, and there are things I genuinely love about it. I think it's an interesting, you know, as a, as a writer, I'm not crazy about the fact that David Lynch is like, words are bullshit or whatever. I'm paraphrasing. Um, <laughs> but I do. Because because the words were too limiting, you couldn't figure out how to say what you, you wanted to say. Sorry, can you pick up a middle <laughs> finger over the microphone? I'm 
I just want, can you hear that? Um, yeah, no, um, but it's, it's visually really beautiful. I love really kind of unrelated to anything about the show. I just love the Pacific Northwest. Mm. I lived in Montana for a oh, while and, it's and like such a character. Yes. Like it's the it's skies like the fifth are all character of sex and city. And, yeah. New York city. It's a thing. Um, yeah. Uh, I love looking at it. It's just really, really lovely. Thank you for listening to Cooper Dubai, um, Twin Peaks podcast for regular Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about this little uh, Jessica to take together. Uh, you Michael. can go on iTunes, rate, review, All subscribe, right. tell a friend. If you um, think okay, well, like I hope you, you enjoyed this, comments, um, and we uh, will talk to you next time. Bye. Talk to you next week.